The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to me and my co-host Lauren Beller Blake on Voice America Variety. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. I'm up and up and up about and bustling as usual. How about you? Well, I got somebody else to listen to our show. I was in the grocery store last night at like 10 o'clock because that's the easiest time to buy groceries. I don't know about ladies out there, but if you go to the grocery store between 10 and 12. Midnight. There's nobody so there. It's like you can run around, get what you want. No one's in your way. You can um, go naked. And you, you can go naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can if you want. No, uh, I wouldn't I do it. I'm anybody. just playing. I just, gone to a me- I just went to this, uh, uh, I was going to say it's a meeting, and so it got over around 9, and I figured, well, I'll go to the grocery store. I might as well, even though I didn't want to. But uh, I went to the... Remember, you were on the, did you, remember Amy Borkowski? She was on I the do. show. Well, she was here. This was her, you know, this was the program that she was going to do here in New York. And so uh, she did her shtick, and it's all about, you know, messages from her mom and all the stuff her mom. Was it was, great? Yes, she was really good. She's really good. She's very funny. She's, she's a stand-up comedian. Yeah, uh, definitely if is. They don't know who she is. It's Amy Burkowski, and it's, I think it's called Messages for Mom. You can buy the CDs. And she just, over the years, collected all the messages on her answering machine, her mother calling her, Amy, you know, don't forget to brush your teeth. She's like 40 years old. Or don't forget to, you know, you know where are you? And then calling all her boyfriends at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out where she is because she can't get a hold of her. And, you know, she's 35 years old and all those kinds of things. But she was very funny very funny fun yeah so anyway but i was in the grocery store and there weren't many people but they were all my neighbors and so i one of the women she keeps asking me about my radio show and i told her when maybe she's listening now uh so i think i i got another fan in there anyway what do you think about the healthcare thing well like many people are saying i think we're it's a overall it's a good thing and i think that it's not you know it needs there's more to do yeah, needs to be tweaked, I guess. I mean, it needs to be tweaked. I don't know what else needs- to say. I mean, uh, I'd like to have somebody on the show who could explain it to us now. If you know anybody or anybody's listening or you want to have somebody who really understands and can explain it in layman's terms as to what it's going to do and what it's not going to do, I'd like to hear it. I've heard a lot of people trying to interpret it because it, it needs to be interpreted for sure to the, for the layman, for sure. Well, the Republicans say we're going to waste so much money, we're going to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars, and the Democrats say we're going to be saving hundreds of millions of dollars. So, I mean, I'm not quite sure. I don't understand that. But some of the states I saw in this paper this morning, Lauren, it said that apparently 13 states have filed a lawsuit saying that it's unconstitutional because you can't force people to buy insurance. That's not something we can do. That goes against, I forgot which one of the... Uh, amendments. amendments or whatever it is uh, against the Constitution. It, it 
Tesla. But that is not true because we must buy insurance if we have a car. We're forced. We must buy homeowner's insurance. You're right. So why would this be different? Well, maybe it's because there's nothing you have to buy. Like if I don't want to buy a homeowner's insurance or car insurance, I don't buy a home or a car. That's the only thing I can think of. We can't not exist. So... But you're going to have. This says you're going to have to pay a fine by 2014. You pay a fine if you don't get health insurance. Yeah, it's the same as a car. I can't drive a car without insurance, and I would get a fine if I was caught doing so. Yeah. So it's so yeah. So what's the difference? Well, I guess they're just trying to you know put a stopgap you know so that things don't progress. Some of the the Republicans. That's why they're challenging the reform bill, right? I think there's going to be a lot of pushback on it, and I do think it's a very emotional topic. And I do think we have major issues in our healthcare system. And I do think we have to look at um, how we age as humans and what we want at the end of our life. You know, I just I think we have big issues there that we have to look at. You know, how we spend so much money at the end of one's life on stuff that's not fun. I mean, that's a whole, I mean, that's a different topic, but that's a really important it topic. It sort of ties I mean, with spend, this topic, in my opinion. It ties with it in a lot of ways. Well, it does, because we're spending all of our monies. Most exactly. monies that we spend on health care are spent in the last three months of one's life, exactly. I think it that's is. That's exactly right. And it's, ever, I mean, I'm watching, I'm looking at people in my family going through it right now with my grandmother, who's 87. Mm-hmm. She's in the last three months of her life and spending a fortune. Yeah. And she's hardly been to doctors most of her life. So, and some, and as Sarah Palin right said, maybe we, sh- she was critical of this, but maybe we need to pull the plug on Granny. Now, I'm going to be Granny, so are you. Pull the plug on me. I actually tell my boys that. Yeah, Do not and, but spend the thing all is, our money, care. all your money, anything that's left on me in the last three months of my life. If I, I mean, that's insane. It's insane. But the problem is, is that in the last three months, there, the health care system as it exists today Almost, I don't want to say forces. It, it how it works is it's it's meant to continue you down that path. Makes you feel guilty. It does. Like there's another. It's true. There is a lot of guilt there. Like there's no other way. Of course you've got to do it. Save her life. You know. Well, I want to give you an example. My family is, and I, I, I kind of, I think, been quite rational in this way. Not everybody in the family, but my great aunt and my great uncle, both of them are deceased. But when my great uncle was dying and this was quite a few years ago and he was a doctor you know a, a primary care physician worked all his life in the days when you know lived in a two-family house the days when doctors really were doctors not businessmen and he his wife uh was in the hospital where he had practiced medicine for many years and he was dying clearly he was in his late 80s or middle 80s whatever it was and the young interns would keep coming in and saying, "Well, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do another test on Doctor So and So. We want come and tell my great aunt we want to test him for this and we want to test him for." She only let that go on for a very short period of time. So she said, "Young man," <laughs> she said, "We're not doing any more tests on Doctor my, my uncle." She said, "That's enough. You have to leave him alone, and you have to let him let him do let his him die thing. in peace." Exactly. And they respected her wishes, and he did. So who, you know, we all have to take responsibility for it. I mean, she said that's enough. I, exactly. I think it's about responsibility at the end. And I do think it's hard because, um, you know, at the end of our lives, too, we use a lot of medications to 
ease pain, so they're not always in a real good conscious state to be able to speak their mind. But uh, they need to have an advocate that I think, I think the big thing is to have good open conversation about it when we're young and alive, you know? I'm doing that. I mean, you're too young, your daughter's too young, but you do need to do that. I am, so that it becomes commonplace, so that this whole issue of death and dying doesn't become something that's sort of out of your realm of things that you don't want to discuss, it's too frightening, kind of like sex used to be. Exactly, it's true. But now we can talk about both. But yes, you're right. You have to talk about it, and you have to make yourself talk about and it, it and be, think about it. I think it needs to be a written plan. And I know we have healthcare proxies and things like that, but it's not even enough. No, I have a healthcare proxy. That's one thing. That's legal. That's fine. But if no one talks about it, and you just sign a healthcare proxy with your attorney, but you never discuss it with your children or your spouse or your partner or your parents or whoever you're going to discuss it with kind of meaningless because then exactly yeah they're the ones that are going to implement it yeah they're the ones who are going to implement it they have to know what your wishes are um so you need to talk about it and that's just something that we don't want to talk about so i think that i i just want to change gears for a minute because this they um a new study came out by the american journal of the journal of the american medical association which now says that women i guess older women or women in midlife let's say they recommend a 60-minute-a-day, 60-minutes-a-day uh, exercise program for women who are in their, I'm saying 50 or over or 55 or older, that in order just to maintain, seven days a week in order to maintain a normal weight over their lifetime. Really? Because mm-hmm. they used to say 20 minutes a day, that's enough. 20 minutes a day, three to five times a week, just get out there, go walking, that's enough. But that is apparently that isn't enough. If you don't want to have to diet, oh, I see. If you don't want to have to, you just want to keep eating the way you eat. Let's say you're a normal weight or whatever the normal weight is, and and you get to be middle aged. Then if you want to maintain that normal weight because your I guess your metabolism slows down, you have to, ladies, uh, exercise every single day, seven days a week, at least sixty minutes a day. That's, That's amazing. What recommending, yeah. And do you, you don't do that, right? You don't walk that, but you don't exercise seven days a week, do you? No, I, I, use, I use like five to six days a week, but now I have this place in New York City. Although, every, you know, in New York City, you walk all the time. A lot, yeah, you walk a lot. So, and do you feel like you diet? Are you someone that would say you diet? Oh, I, maybe diet isn't the word, but with each decade, I've had to eat less and less. No question. I'm somebody who would say I've had to definitely eat less. I can't eat as much as I did in my, you know, the decade before, um, so I don't know if dying is the right word, but I had to cut down. Now, are you someone that you diet or cut down because of your weight or because of your physique? Both. Okay. Because as you get older, your physique gets really awful. What happens... <laughs> Thanks, you Catherine. <laughs> you get short. It's like it's gravity, so you get shorter. Your back starts to compress. I mean, I don't have any back problems, but it, they. It, and so what happens is you're... I'm talking about women. I don't know what happens to men. But <laughs> you get square. You know how women, as they get older, they get squarer? I mean, even if you weigh the same, like even if you see a woman who's thin, it's not that she's overweight, but squarer, you lose your waist. That's because your your frame is compressing, your your, your back, your body. It's, it's, it's kind of like the natural process of you start drooping. It's so funny. Yeah, but it's not that funny because then so you... It's only funny for me as I'm watching, listening to you talk about it. Exactly. But like when you turn 50, 
that's when it begins to happen. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, and so that part of that, so that the weight maybe that you were before, looks you, still, you look heavier even if you're not heavier? Yep. So that's part of that, too. But um, so what was the question? Do I diet? So, no, I, diet is not the word, but definitely have to be more vigilant about what I eat if I want to maintain my weight. It says here, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting the uh, Los Angeles paper. This says, uh, weight. Most Americans now gain about 1.5 pounds a year. Wow. Um, that adds up. Well, it definitely adds up, and I think uh, I just want to see 1.5 pounds a year during a certain period of time between the ages of 25 and 55. So that's before you turn 55. I'd say, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a short break right now. Anyway, we're going to when we come back. We, I didn't even tell you who was going to be on the show, but we're going to be talking about sex, not death, but sex. That's right. Social worker with a microphone with Lauren Bell of Blake. Back in a minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnist. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us again this morning. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Beller Blake. And our guest this morning is Shannon T. Boudram. She's author of Laid, L-A-I-D, and the cover of a book has, it's Laid, and I guess the title is um, on a, a, a condom, a red condom on a black background, very dramatic, Young People's Experiences with Sex in an Easy Access Culture. Shannon is a journalist who began her role as a sexual educator when she appeared on Canadian National Network at age 19. Since then, she has gone on to host a seven-part sex and podcast series, which was produced by Imperial Music Studios. She was an expert panelist on Much Music, Much Talks, Teen Sex, alongside Sue Johansson, who's the nurse that Lauren, you and I were talking about from Canada. And you can go to her website, www.laidthebook.com. Welcome to the show. Shannon, how are you this morning? Good morning, Catherine and Lauren, everybody at Voice America. I'm very excited to be here today. Hi, guys. It's Hello. really exciting to have you. Laid, what a title. I mean, uh, what is the, first of all, what was the, why write this book? Uh, there's and so what is the reasons. book about? I know it's about young people and their experiences and yours also in particular, but uh, tell us why you wrote I, the book. I guess I really wrote the book because I really saw a need for a new form of sex education, um, that really co- could compete with today's media um, because they're really selling a brand of sex uh, that can be very salacious, very overhyped, and oftentimes incorrect. So I, I thought to myself, you know what, we're in this easy access culture where now almost everybody can access that. Even if your parents have a block on certain channels, they can always head to YouTube and watch certain things. Also, online porn is so easy to access nowadays for today's youth. So they are now being given access to... I guess these very misleading uh, sexual sources that can be very interesting, and the truth doesn't have anything to battle that with. And uh, speaking on my own behalf, from my own experiences, I knew that I was pretty much brainwashed by these things pretty early in what um, they sold in the sex lifestyle they promised. And I learned, you know, three years into it after having several bad experiences that, you know what, this just isn't actually accurate at all. So I really wanted to begin the book to have an all-around summation of what it means to be sexually active in today's easy access culture. Yeah, and you do that in the book, and you start out with your own experience. You lost your virginity at what, at age 16? Yes. So somebody had met that same day. Uh, It was really a matter of just me seeing this guy I thought was really good-looking and me being like, he's really good-looking. I think this is how I'm supposed to get his attention. And, you know, I I kind of thought that things would go smoothly from there, and, of course, I never got any kind of contact information from him because this is the real world. So the book is separated into five chapters. The first is on hookups, which is where my story fit in. The second is on great experiences. The third is on experiences that had a consequence to them, be that, you know, STD, HIV, abortion, pregnancy. The fourth is on date rape and sexual abuse, which is so important uh, in today's time, especially with sexual harassment being so prevalent even in middle schools. And the fifth is on abstinence and people who chose that route and why they decided to choose that route, which I think is really missing from abstinence-only education as well. 
All right, so I mean, you cover the whole gamut then. I, I don't think you've left anything out. Uh, let's start with the hookups. What's a hookup? I mean, this, uh, this is probably two generations talking to you right now. You're, what, 24, 25 years old? 24, yes, correct. Okay, 24 years old. So, I mean, what's a hookup? What does that mean in the vernacular of, of sex today amongst teenagers or amongst young people? I think a hookup is really anything where you've got no pressure to call the next day. Um, it can range from making out to going all the way to being, you know, a full-out orgy. It, it really is anything in which people are not pressured at all to care about the other person's feelings. So are hookups prevalent? Is this what young, is this, is this what high school kids are doing? Is this something that's acceptable? Is this something that's promoted? Or, I mean, where does it fit in in terms of the sexual behavior of teenagers? I know we're generalizing, but let's say, you know, your average teenager, 14 to 18 in, in high school. I think, I know definitely in the college level, there's tons of books out there that talk about hookups being extremely prevalent at the college level because you've got the more, uh, the sense of freedom where you can go and do whatever. But I think as a teenager... But also, I have to stop you, Shan, because, I mean, Lauren, you know, jump in, but college is different. I'm really, I want to focus on the high school stuff because 18 and older, you're an adult. I mean, I think that the issues may still be there, but it's very different than between 14 and 18. I mean, do you agree with me? Oh, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely do. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the time for me to meet somebody that day and, and sleep with them and uh, lose my virginity was not a big deal. It definitely is a time where you're just put a lot more pressure on you not to care. Um, we're supposed to look at sex as just being sex. It's not a big deal. I mean, that message is really fed to people on so many levels. And if you watch Gossip Girl and notice that, you know, friends with friends sleep together and there's threesomes, you're, you're fed that notion that it really isn't a big deal. Uh, but I think that a lot of people will find that's not true for them. I mean, I think sexuality is really a personal thing uh, that's not a one-size-fits-all. And if you're not getting a balanced variety of information and you're only getting information from one place, be that media, I think you're going to be really disappointed with trying to emulate that kind of lifestyle, which I was. So how? Uh, what I was surprised at, I mean, you talk about uh, in that first chapter, I think in your experience with having sex at age 16, um, that you kind of just acquiesced to this very handsome, athletic young man. But you and and you were somebody, it seemed to me, who wouldn't do that. You hear you were uh, on a sports team, um, and that and you are somebody who, to me, seemed to have really good feelings of self-esteem. You know, you you weren't somebody who was so a victim or vulnerable, and yet you allowed this person to have sex with you when you weren't even sure that you wanted it. I, that surprised me because, you know, when I grew up, it was always like, well, if you feel good about yourself, you're going to make your choices based, you're going to make good decisions, you're not going to allow somebody to do something to you unless you want it to happen yourself. And that didn't seem, you didn't seem to fit that picture. I, I don't think there is a picture. You know, I, I think one of the best things, uh, one of the funniest things, I, I was out one time at a women's college hospital and I was doing a book talk there and a security guard stopped by, looked through the book and said, you know what? cool book, but I don't need it because, you know, I've got a daughter who's 15 and 17, but one's a nerd, one's a jock. And then I was like, great, because nerds and jocks don't have genitals or or hormones. (laughs) You never, there's no profile that someone can fit for what they would go through to experience this. I think in my circumstance at the time, I really did think of it as an attention-getting way. And after I realized, you know, how people disregard sex, I almost, it didn't stop there. I almost kind of threw myself into this lifestyle where I was trying to fit this mold, this carefree, I don't care, um, you know, that I could do what guys did and not, you know, feel a way about it type of mold. But it, was, it wasn't even just that I wasn't getting emotional satisfaction from it, it's I wasn't getting physical satisfaction from it because I really wasn't even taught them that well, I don't think, 
about my own body and understanding how to convey to people, you know, how to have a positive sexual lifestyle in a physical manner for a girl. So there was just so many different issues. Self-esteem was definitely one of them. But maybe in reverse, it was me trying to gain self-esteem and trying to define myself as this new age, sexual, empowerist woman. Uh, But I didn't have the manual to accomplish that. All right. So at what point did you realize this isn't working for me? This is something that uh, is not accomplished. You know, it's not helping me to boost my self-esteem or to uh, boost my presence with the opposite sex or even with my girlfriends. You know, is there an epiphany or an aha moment? Hey, you know, just having sex with different guys is not doing it for me. You know what? It, 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 you have it right away, but it doesn't stop you. I mean, your one searching for that experience is going to get you that place. And then number two, whatever you tell your friends is cool. And at the time, I think, especially during my teen and like in high school years, you just recite whatever you heard that sounds cool. So even if you woke up the next day and didn't feel great, you didn't tell your friends that, right? You said you didn't care. It was this. It was that. He was this. And I think um, so. It in a way was really helping to boost my social profile because I was lying through my teeth. It wasn't until I went away to school at age 18, going to college, being amongst a small group of girls on a track team nonstop, that I started to finally get honest stories and feel comfortable being honest of my own story. And that helped so much because I realized, you know what, not only am I not alone, but I don't know a thing about sex like I thought I did. It's time that I really took an education, uh, which is how the book began. So uh, let me ask you this: Is your book? Do you, I mean, your book is one of the few, I think, that's out there that really gives these. Well, you have like forty personal narratives from all these young women and men about sex. Uh, it's kind of a unique book in that way, isn't it? Because a, a lot of books are written in kind of textbook form, you know, giving you information, which is a good thing, and you have that in the book as well, questions and answers. But these personal stories, I think, are really helpful. Uh, they make it real. I definitely think so. You know, the one thing I said to people when I was collecting stories that, you know, let's tell this as though we're talking to our best friend. I didn't want it to come across like a lecturing thing. I forbid people from lecturing. I said, tell it as how it is and allow people to vicariously come up with their own lessons from this and decide what they want to take from your story. I think that hasn't been done before. And I'm pretty sure both of us know the book Chicken Soup, The Teenage Soul. Uh, yes. It's that was kind of my inspiration for this book because almost reading that book and there being no mention of sex, it always stops at the kiss. You know, we kissed and then that was it. And then I'm like, this isn't a reflection of what me and my friends went through. So I'm sure other people want to hear more as well too. And at that age, I know 15, 16, 17, anything to do with sex, I mean anything, I was absolutely drawn to it because you're so curious, you're trying to figure out all these new feelings and I would find it in fiction books and dog tag those parts and read them over and over and over again. I mean, now I read them back like, this is complete fluff. But at the time, there wasn't anything else out there that was, I think, real. So that's all you have. So I hope now people have got this book where they can read these stories over and over and over again. And it's the truth and there are lessons. And I never had people stop at the experience. I always had them go further and talk about how that changed them, what that meant to them, what steps they took afterwards. Because that is the aftermath is never, as we know, never included in the media. You'll never hear them talk about, you know, feeling bad the next day or going to the clinic or what if their protection broke. Like, it's almost like those don't exist. But Well, you know what I think happens do. in the media or in other stories that we hear, Shannon? It's always, it's sort of like an all or nothing thing. Either they, you know get married and live happily ever after or they get pregnant and have to have an abortion or decide whether they're going to have one or not and all the stuff in between all the gray areas never really discussed 
Yeah, the only actually show I've ever seen that happen on is the show Degrassi, uh, the only high school level show. The rest of the shows I've really never seen a real problem afterwards. I guess there's a new show right now called The Secret Lives of Teenagers, which I think has a girl who gets pregnant. But yeah, they don't ever discuss it every single time that you know somebody goes through a sexual experience. There's always something the next day that you feel, be that you know bad, good, whatever, and that definitely needs attention. And I think that you're right that uh, it tends to be the extremes. We're going to take a break right now. I'm talking, we're talking to Shannon D. T. Boudrin. She's author of Laid, Young People's Experiences with Sex in an Easy Access Culture. Uh, don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijay Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Green Talk Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. It's the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Lauren Deller, my co host, and Shannon Boudrin, a young journalist and a sexual educator, author of Laid Young People's Experiences with Sex in an Easy Access Culture. Uh, Shannon, I want to ask you this. What about, you know, you've interviewed all of these young people and you've heard their stories, which is their stories are in the book as well as 
you know, you've put a lot of really solid information there about sex. Were there any, what were the big surprises for you in terms of ignorance, in terms of what these kids didn't know? I mean, uh, was, there, was there anything that surprised you? I mean, you're only 24 years old, and it hasn't been that long since you were a teenager. So any things that stood out, do you think, that's important to get out there and to, you know, tell listeners? I think the well, the number one one that stood out, I guess, was in the chapter uh, that talks about consequences. People, you know, showing symptoms and thinking, oh, a great line is the guy was like, well, I get warts everywhere else. I can get warts on my penis. Not a big deal. And then allowing that to go untreated for so long and still, you know, being sexually active and thinking it's no big deal. And you're like, hey, buddy, like, obviously something is wrong here. Uh, so things like that would kind of surprise you that people really don't recognize or understand when something has gone wrong with their body. Another one I think is a big one is, uh, I guess, with the new age media, like how how trusting people still are. I mean, when it comes to, like, sending photos of themselves or sending private information over the net, and then when it, it gets publicized and, you're, and the, the shock that goes with them. Because, you know what, when you do send a naked photo of yourself, you know, anywhere through phone or through online, and they share that, you're in essence, you know, signing up to be a porn star, which a lot of people did not think that they were signing up for. And that is a little shocking, too, because, you know, that just would be human nature to, to share if you have that kind of image of somebody. So that, I guess, is a little surprising. But by and large, um, I try not to be shocked because I think shocked shows that you're not listening because there's, there's always an explanation or a reason why people do what they do. So I just tried to listen as best as I could and understand people's sides of the story. Yeah, and I think what came across to me in reading the book is, uh, you're, you're right, I mean, the maybe ignorance or naivete. I mean, you know, young men and young women, high school kids, getting, you know, having sexual intercourse, not understanding all the implications. I mean, everything, you know, without scaring them, but just the, the, the facts. And I think you go through in the book, and I think it's real important, you know, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the um, STDs or the... I learned something from these, too, as well. But, I mean, all of this information one needs to know about the different kinds of infections that you can get, and not only understanding what you can, you know, the consequences of having sex, but I think, and most of these, or a lot of teenagers, even as you say, they get warts or they get a vaginal infection, they're afraid to go to the doctor. So they don't yeah. even, you know, they, and they're afraid their parents are going to find out or they're embarrassed or ashamed, and they let these things go. And in some of the cases, you know, like in Chlamydia, I mean, women can actually become sterile as a result of that. Exactly. And you know what? Then there's a whole gamut of problems that can come from not having these things treated. Um, it is a matter of these types of things in an abstinence-only education system in which, you know, the new health care reform bill actually has funding for. They don't offer pointers on that. They should be telling you in high school where your local uh, clinic is. There's always a sex education clinic uh, that does do tests. It's not your doctor, family doctor, so you don't have to go through the embarrassment of that. But those are great to have access to as well because, you know, women, especially young girls, need to start having their pap test done annually as soon as you start becoming sexually active. And that information needs to be readily available to everybody uh, because or else you do you do have people who are just going to let things go because, number one, they don't know where to go and they don't know who to ask or who to trust. So I think pointing that out at the high school level, even before you think people are being sexually active because it's always happening before you think it's happening, is really important to do. So what should parents look out for? What, what kinds of things uh, should a parent who has a, you know, obviously not the parent that you talked to who said, well, one of my kids is a geek and the other one's an athlete, so I don't have to worry about my girls. Uh, this is really, uh, okay, we, we don't, parents don't want to or shouldn't be in that kind of a position. 
so Shannon, what do they do? I mean, do, do you, how do you approach sex to your high school kid? And obviously it shouldn't be the first time that you're talking to your son or daughter about sex. I think really and truly you have to give the talk earlier than you thought you did. That might be starting with grade 9, starting with 13 years old, because they get so much information fed to them online, through schoolyard, whether they want to or not. And even if your child is not sexually active, it's still important for them to know uh, to know what's going on and to be able to filter through all of the crap that you get fed every day. So even if you're, you know that your child is not doing that, it doesn't matter. I think the overshare approach is going to work. More is better, more and earlier, uh, because you can't hold their hand the entire time and control what they're being fed. And now not only... Are you, you know, competing with TV in the schoolyard, but you're competing with a whole worldwide web of information that you cannot control what they're accessing, and you think that you have every site blocked on porn. There are so many trick porn sites that you can get to that you can stream for free without having to download things. So it's important, I think, at an earlier age to have discussions, to start asking. The same way we do with our career, we really put a lot of emphasis on what kind of professional we want to be because we work our whole lives. Well, you're sexual your whole life, too. What kind of sexual person do you want to be? And that is not a one-time discussion. That takes years of developing. That takes self-confidence. That takes bodily knowledge. That takes, you know, the, the courage to talk to the people about it. So it's a, not just the talk. It's the continuous discussion that has to begin younger than you think. Yeah, you just said something, and I think it's so important. We are sexual beings from the day we're born. and exactly. it's yeah, and, and that's something that I think is a cultural attitude. Maybe it comes from our, you know, the uh, puritanical uh, our ethic that that you know the United States, you know, that we 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 do come from in terms of of uh, you know all the religious stuff, and it's a real denial of our sexuality in a positive way. So um, I think that we are sexual beings our whole lives, and how are we going to deal with it? Um, I mean, I think that's really important. Um, and I think even earlier than, I mean, you say in ninth grade, I think you have to be starting to have different kinds of talks. But even when the kids are, are little, you know, when they're six oh, years yeah, old. I agree. Yeah, what? I definitely agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. Uh, but we, most parents tend not to do that. You know, you mentioned, and I have to ask you this because I don't really know. Um, I don't know if you know, Lauren, but what about, you say you can get pornography on, the kids can have access to pornography on really their computer, even if there are, stop gaps on it for not doing that? You, there are ways to get around it? Yeah, because there, I think there's some, like, there's, well, number one, if you go into Google search and you type in, like, teen, for example, you uh-huh. can get porn very easily. If you type in Tyra Banks, like, one of the first pictures that pops up is a picture of her naked. Um, so it's, you can have blocks in certain words, and there's certain porn sites that are named things like Fun World, and don't quote me on this, um, but they're named things that are not traditional, like they're not XXX or porn or, or hot teen. It's, it's named casual things that you wouldn't think to block in search words. And then a lot of these sites now, they do online free streaming. Um, so it's a lot like, I guess, YouTube, but there's no track to your computer. So you don't have to download anymore. You can't track what your child is doing through uh, seeing what they've, they've downloaded onto the computer. And so you're able to access it that way. So there's just there's a lot of easy ways to get around it. Uh, there's a great stat out there by Details Magazine that said that 90% of boys you know, under 22 uh, by the time they're 16, we'll have watched at least an hour of online porn. So, and that's, I think, a, a, a lot of the sexual trends that go on today because you start to think that porn life is real and that that's normal behavior and that girls should be getting these great pleasurable experiences uh, from what you see online, which 
I think is really messing up teens in terms of seeking out an experience that is positive for both and that is respectful. Um, that's definitely a key thing missing. And also, even at 14-year-olds, whatever blocks are on the computers at home, they have access to other people's computers. They go to other people's houses. They're free to do that. So it doesn't really matter in a sense, even whatever parents are trying to restrict in their own homes, because it's not like a six-year-old who only goes with you, but, you know, they're, they're, they're all over the place. So all this information, what you're saying, is out there. Yes. All right. Well, I want to ask some. All right. What are all right? So now you're talking about this abstinence thing, which really bothers me because we get into these, you know, big battles. You know that, uh, especially, I, I, you know, the different the um, the political battles. You know, abstinence only, teaching abstinence only in in schools and stuff. Um, how do we get around that? I mean, that seems to me that's the most. I mean, you have teenagers with their hormones raging, they're sexual human beings, they're going to have sex, whatever it is, you know, whether they're kissing people or having, uh, you know, uh, intercourse or whatever it is, but they're having sex and we're telling them abstinence only. How do we, I don't know, from a political standpoint, what do we do about that? That really bothers me because I think it's really dangerous. I think so as well, too. And, you know, year after year, there's studies that come out that show how ineffective this kind of sex education is year after year. Yet we see a new bill coming forward that's supposed to be a fresh start that, again, has funding for this type of ineffective programming. I think the best thing you could probably do, I'm part of an organization called Youth Advocates, um, and then they'll give you information to call to fight these things, to boycott, to, to rally, uh, to get awareness through that way. I mean, the at a smaller level, the best thing you can do is to by giving your child the education that they actually need, supplementing it and realizing that, okay, this is what they're offering at school, that is not enough. And you know what? I think most people will be surprised that nine out of ten times whatever you got in high school is the same thing your kid's getting now. It really has not changed or ain't approved or gone more in-depth since it was back when you talked to your gym teacher in grade 10, which is the same experience that I had. So I think the best thing you could do is, yeah, number one, join a group to, to actively rally against it and or doing whatever you can to do to supplement it because you have to realize that that's what your child is getting that's definitely not enough. Yeah, and education does begin at home as well. I mean, back when I was in school, I had a mother who would tell me whatever, I mean, whatever she knew. And if she didn't, she would direct me usually to the, you know, good information. So, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Lauren, but I was, I mean, that was a, that was a real plus for me. <laughs> That's a whole other story, right? You're not going to talk about. Book. Okay, this is a good time to take a break. We have to say goodbye to Shannon. Fabulous book, and uh, I just want to mention the website laidthebook.com. L-A-I-D, laidthebook.com. You can buy Laid bookstores everywhere online. And Shannon, you mentioned Youth Advocates. Is that something we can go online for if we're interested in becoming a member? Or yes, it is. Okay, great having you on the show today. Catherine and Lauren, you guys are absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Have a great Bye. day. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Catherine Zox. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Deller-Blake on voiceamerica.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent, you face all kinds of challenges. You know you're a good parent, but we have a show that may help you become a better one. It's called The Book of Dad Radio Show. 
hosted by expert husband and wife team Robert and Ulette Benson. This program will answer your questions about a variety of topics that parents need to stay on top of. It's a roundtable of discussion that's great for the weekend or anytime. Tune in to the Book of Dad radio show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Lauren Deller-Blake, my co-host. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with the microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Again, everyone, thanks for joining us this morning. Our topic this morning has been sex, laid. That's the title of the book, laid. And as I mentioned before, we were, uh, Lauren and I are talking to Shannon Boudrin, 24 years old. She's written this book. She's a sex educator. Really, really interesting young woman. And the the, on the book cover, the and I have to mention this again because it says laid, but the laid is on top of a, um, a condom, a red condom, and it's a big black background. So if you go to the bookstore, you should be able to find the book. Um, but, Lauren, you said to me, and we wanted to save this so we could do this on the air, because like, Shannon mentioned that you know kids go to their gym teacher for information, or girls do, I guess. She was talking about the girls. I don't know about the boys. Maybe the boys would talk to their coaches. I don't know. But... Um, you went to the, or you didn't, but girls in high school, when you were going through high school, would ask their gym teacher about sex. I would never ask my gym teacher about sex. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I asked my mother and my girlfriends. I think for me, I so wouldn't much. go to my gym teacher, but I know that there was people that were much closer to our gym teacher than I was, but they were the jocks. They were the people that they, you know, she was their coach. She saw them, they saw, you know, they were in the locker room together. Um, and I think that they probably felt closer to the gym teacher. I also would not go to my gym teacher, but I um, would absolutely go to friends, which is exactly what Shannon was talking about. You know, if your information is only from one source, it's only, you're not getting various perspectives. I did, I did not go to my mother, but as I said, and I've said on the radio before, that um, she handed me the book, Our Bodies, Ourselves, and I don't remember much talk about it. Like, she, she said, like, Lauren, here's the book. Read it if you have any questions. <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember exactly how she did it. I cannot. I, my brain works differently, and my sister remembers everything from our childhood. I don't. I don't remember details like that. You have to get I'm, your sister on the show so she can tell us the truth. Exactly. She's going to have to tell the whole story. Yeah, we have because I'm only getting half the story, and I think she has more of the story to tell because she remembers more than you do. But, uh, well, first of all, we didn't have the Internet 
So well, that's that is true. That is true. So you need somebody to help you interpret the stuff that you see on the Internet. Well, because the Internet has every perspective in the world. Yeah, exactly. Did you know that, about that porn stuff? I didn't. Oh, I totally did that. Yeah, I did know that. Because you're on every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've, I'm also, you know, it's different generations, no different things. Yeah, it's impossible to block it out. It's impossible. Well, I'll tell you something. I think that another thing, if, if parents realize or just people in general... Porn is the biggest, I think, the biggest money-making industry in our country. Billions of dollars. It's a big Absolutely. business. Yeah, I mean, it's a big. It's not going away. It's there. It's that's the way it is. So how? It's not a question of trying to get rid of the porn. It's a question of how are you going to educate yourself and your children in relationship to this business that's out there. If you think about it that way, it takes away all the religious and the all the the uh, what you know the, the kind of. Um, sexuality from it, you know what I mean? Like, just how do you prepare yourself? Exactly. I think it is, I mean, she said something so, and you did too, you know, we, I think we have to talk about it early. It starts at, you know, here's Sierra, four years old. It, there's ways to have such a conversation now, you know? Many ways. Little kids are very sexual. They take off their clothes. They're always touching themselves. They're doing exactly. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and there's a way that either I'm going to, at four years old, I'm going to, as her mother, I'm going to either come across as open to talk about it or not open, and I have yeah. to decide what now what I'm going to be. Yeah, and what are you? Have you decided? I think it depends. I have to be conscious about it because there's certain times that, um, you know, I told you about her finding a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I found that's myself going. Oh, that's... We're gonna. She's gonna be on when we. <laughs> you've already ruined her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the point is, is I found myself going. Oh, 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 not for you know, not for Sierra. This is mom. You know, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. And she's thinking, okay, I'm getting some kind of a message here. Exactly. Baby. And I real. I immediately when it happened, I realized oh, I just gave her a message that that's not okay to talk about, and that's not what I wanted to do. So this is a great example, because we never really took this further. Okay, she's four years old. She finds a sex toy. What do you say? What do you say? You said you were, like, hemming and hawing. Yeah, I was, you know, I just wanted to get it out of sight, you know. Yeah, okay. So what would be the one thing I, too bad, I mean, anybody who has some suggestions, because this is like, I mean, this is this is this is what happens. And then well, I do think that I next time, or I need to find a way to go back to it somehow. That's not like you know, and I can do it. She's, there is a way of saying, you know what? This as an adult, we have, you know, adults have toys. Adult, and they're used as you know, when you get a little older, not when you're four. But they're for when you're older. And that's probably quite enough for a four-year-old. Exactly. And if she walks, when, if you say that, and you say that, and you feel comfortable when you say it, and she says, "Oh, okay," and she walks away, then you've said the right thing. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like that old question: "Where do babies come from?" And all you exactly. have to say, you know, that, that that you know, you don't have to tell, you don't have to start with sexual intercourse with a four-year-old. You just tell them that that uh, babies grow inside their mother's uteruses, and that's enough for them. Yeah, it and is they enough. ask the but question, I, maybe, well, how does it get there two or three years later? Exactly. And it will come back. You know, today she wrote, this is a great example. She wanted to know how to write the number 155. So I showed her, I, we wrote it. And she said, wow, that's old. When, how, like, who is 155? And I said, You'll, not many people live, no people live that long. People die younger. And she said, every person dies? So, yeah, it's like you have to have that conversation. That's very, I've, that, so in other words, 
that was her first experience, I guess, with the finality of life. It was I mean, amazing. I felt, and the phone rang right at that point, and it was my husband, and I was like, he says, what are you doing? I'm talking, having a really hard conversation <laughs> with a four-year-old. I'm like, I could see the look on her face, but it was similar. You know, we have to be, every topic could be, it's, it's, they're hard topics. Well, the other thing is, if you don't talk to your four-year-old, you really don't know what they're thinking, and you make all of these assumptions, and they can be totally wrong. Just as you said, did you, you never realized that she didn't realize that people, that everybody dies. She didn't know that. She didn't yeah. understand that. And we're dealing with it now with my grandmother, who's not well, and, and that's not why it came up. She just was playing with numbers because she's exploring numbers, but, you know, we we do make assumptions about how to raise our kids and or how they're being raised. And unless we ask a lot of questions and stay present, I think we lose opportunities for conversation. Yeah. Of course, that's one of the reasons I think that sometimes if you're not home, this is, and you're going to get mad at me for saying this, maybe, but like when you're home with your kids, that is one advantage because these kinds of questions and this stuff that comes up, it comes up at the most inopportune moments. It doesn't come up when you, you know, at planned intervals, but like when you're there and you're driving, they taking them to the grocery store or wherever the hell you're doing, you're in the house and they're just hanging out. They'll come up and with these questions, at, you know, but you have to be there. That's you do. Another thing. I agree with that. Other people, I, what? I also feel strongly that it's just because it was like, I will be sure today to go back and say, you remember that conversation we had this morning? I just wanted to see if you had any more questions or if you understood what we were talking about. And I think she can say yes or no and go, go on about it. I think you can go back to it. Oh, yeah, and you'll have another opportunity. I mean, you can always bring it now that you know that that's an issue. I mean, I think you, it, you just, well, say your grandmother's dying. That's a perfect opportunity for you to yeah, yeah. bring all this stuff up, whatever, you know, whatever conversations you have with your husband or your, whatever's happening. You can do that. Yeah, it's interesting. Sex, death, and dying, it's mm-hmm. all important stuff. Yeah, exactly. But uh, now you can, can buy this book laid for her and keep I it. I know. <laughs> so when she happens to come upon it, it's, it's interesting. I'll tell you something. This book, I, 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 it always amazes me how uninformed, how, and I have to use the word ignorant, these, that young people are about sex. I mean, in terms, you know, she talks about in the book how women have to talk about what they like, what they want from the sexual, from the experience. Well, you know, I don't think that teenage boys are the best lovers in the world. I mean, I or even have the potential to be. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. Some sixteen-year-old kid. Not at all. So it's almost like who are you talking to? I mean, you know, maybe you do have to be a little bit old. I mean, or you do should be older uh, because it, it's not going to matter. I don't think, and even if a, 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 even if you have a sense of your own body and what you like, and I, I just don't think that you know the majority of teenage boys are going to be able to do anything about it or to do you. There, you just like you know, four-year-olds versus eight-year-olds and versus sixteen-year-olds. There's different levels of ability to have conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think that's true with a 16-year-old. I think that there's different levels of ability to have connection, and they're all about, you know, most of the time, one thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to be practical about it. So, I mean, there's just so many issues associated with all this stuff, and um, you can have the last word if you want because we have to say goodbye. Crazy. No, I'm, I'm complete. I feel like it was a really important discussion today. I do, too. All right. I'll mention the book one more t- time, Laid, Shannon T. Boudrin. You've been listening to Catherine Zox, 
Lauren Beller Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Hope you had a good time today. I did. I learned a lot. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.